G'day humans, what's good boy? Chris Fundy here for Wrestling Old Style. We're doing it a bit different this week. If you are listening to this in podcast form, I am alive as we speak over on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Chris Unfortunately, this week we are not joined by Fruity as Alex, as he is enjoying a much-deserved holiday and I didn't want to bother him. So uh, given all the news between uh, all out concluding and uh now uh we will get <laughs> alex's thoughts on that uh but yeah a little little bit to touch on tonight we're going to talk a bit of AEW, all in london all out chicago uh wwe's payback and their supposed brand split uh some of the aussie shows that are coming up this weekend and as well as uh impact 1000 we'll give that a brief preview but i suppose uh we must talk uh for those who missed it the biggest paid wrestling event in history. Uh, 81,035 paid fans in attendance. Uh, with an estimated somewhere around 90,000 total. Uh, yeah, all in 2023, aka all in London. Uh, is coming to us on pay-per-view August 27th. 2023. I watched this uh, via ESPN here in Australia, live and free, no ad breaks, no additional costs, so that that's always a, a good thing. Uh, looking back on the event itself, um, I found it to be pretty good. Um, the build-up to it was what it was. It was... Uh, yeah, it was rather average, but once the show got going, it was pretty good. Uh, kicking things off in the second hour of Zero Hour, the first hour was just a preview, and if you missed it, there was an interaction between Jeff Jarrett's crew and um, Big Show, Anthony Agogo, and uh, indie star of the UK, Grado. So maybe uh, setting up seeds for All In... 2024 because they are going to be returning to London next year uh, me and Alex gave a full sort of rundown of this last week um, so better than you baby defeat Aussie Open to become your new Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions this is a pretty good 7 minute match um, just the crowd just waiting for the kangaroo kick from MJF here as well as the double clothesline and uh, Cole and MJF here your new Ring of Honor Champions yeah, well, um, we can talk about some of the other stuff uh, as we get to the end of the show here. Uh, but your main event of Zero Hour, the pre-show here, was Hook taking on Jack Perry um, in an FTW rules match for the FTW champion. Jack Perry is the champion, arriving in a London limo, and uh, Hook meets him halfway up the ramp. They begin brawling around the cab. Hook's laid out on the hood, and Jack Perry... Knocks on the glass and says into the camera, Real glass, cry me a river. And little did I know, watching on delay, staying offline, at least staying away from wrestling online circles, uh, what was going to happen? Oh boy, was I wrong. <laughs> so, whilst Hook gets the win here, uh, the wrestlers go backstage, we begin the pay-per-view proper, and, you know, it seemed that they're sort of talking down the card a little bit uh, to kick things off, and I'm thinking, okay, this is sort of 
normally what AEW does occasionally for their pay-per-views. They'll uh, start the pay-per-view, just talk over the card for anyone who's skipped the pre-show. And kick things off is Samoa Joe and CM Punk for the Real World Championship. And Punk and Joe have a pretty good match here, going 14 minutes, you know, and uh, Punk here getting the win over Joe. Joe not getting the Real World Championship, but still has his Ring of Honor Television Championship. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Of course, there's the, uh, the backstage incident that we can talk about before. Uh, that we could talk about that happened before the pay-per-view went live around the end of Zero Hour, but we'll talk that uh, in between the two all-AEW pay-per-views. <laughs> Fourth match of the night was uh, Bullet Club Gold, so that's Jay White Juice Robinson, along with Konosuke Takesta, and in their corner was Austin Gunn, Colton Gunn, and Don Callis, taking on the team of the Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, uh, Hangman Adam Page and Kota Ibushi, a six-man tag where Bullet Club Gold get the win here. And uh, at one point on commentary, JR did ask, why is everything gold when Excalibur had to explain that uh, Kota Ibushi is the golden star? So, uh, yeah, so a, a bit of an awkward night for JR on commentary, as it were. Uh, as we would see in this next match, the Young Bucks taking on FTR for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. So, uh, FTR Hare getting led into the country after his, uh, I guess, uh, week of road rage in uh, Florida, I believe it was. So, uh, no problems getting into the country for him, as uh, happened with some other talent, uh, Ray Phoenix and uh, AR Fox. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't exactly the uh, the smoothest build to this pay-per-view in hindsight. We're building to AR Fox has joined Mogul Embassy. Oh, wait, no, you can't get into London. Uh, we can't delay this a week. Uh, 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 Swerve, turn on Fox. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yes, uh, FTR here make their entrance as the champs. Young Bucks come out very uh, heavily inspired Freddie Mercury outfits, which leads JR to ask, is Freddie in attendance tonight? And Excalibur going, uh, no, he's actually been dead for a number of years. <laughs> Whoops. But yeah, uh, pretty much like any FTR Bucks match, really good. Uh, FTR offering the sign of the respect here as they get the win, but the Bucks sort of just roll out, go to the locker room, which would play into a to a backstage video for next week's show. Uh, following that was the Stadium Stampede match that sees the team of Blackpool Combat Club, so John Moxley, Claudio Casanoli, and Willa Yuta, along with Santana and Ortiz, taking on the team of Eddie Kingston, Penthouse Zero Meadow, uh, Chuck Taylor, Trent Beretta, and international champion Orange Cassidy. Yeah, this, this is a problem with, um... AEW and the uh, the uh, Ring of Honor titles being featured a lot on TV. It's um, a case of so many titles. I feel I forget half the time Cordio's Ring of Honor champion because half the time it feels like he doesn't come out with the title. Uh, Orange Cassidy here, international champion, but that'd play into next week. And uh, 
luckily they hung on to that match because oh boy did they need it. So absolute chaos, plunder, brawling up in the raw box. Uh, it gets down back in the ring and uh, Orange Cassidy dips his broken hand into a bucket of glass and uh, Orange Punch with the bad hand getting the win here over the Blackpool Combat Club. The seventh match on the card was for the AEW Women's Championship in a four-way that saw defending new champion Hikaru Shida taking on former champion Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, and home country girl Soraya. Soraya getting a big entrance here uh, to Queen as she comes down. A lot of uh, Queen homages in this show. Um, no Rolling Stones... No Oasis. I'm just trying to think of any other huge English musical acts. No One Direction. <laughs> but yes. No Adele. No U2. Yeah, a few different English acts there for you to enjoy. But yes, any <laughs> music here was pretty much just, hey, we've got the... Uh, the rights to the Freddie Mercury Queen back catalogue tonight. We're just running with that. And, you know, this is a pretty good four-way match at one point. Uh, there's dissension between Soraya and Tony Storm, the outcast teammates, over who's going to get the pin here. And uh, later on in the match, just going through the closing stages here, Britt Baker has Hikaru Shida in the lockjaw. And as she's doing that, Soraya's hit, I believe it's the former PTO, or the Page Turner, or the Rampage, I forget the new name of it. It's, it might have been the Rampage, her former, like, DDT type move. Um, and as she goes to pin Tony Storm, Brit's frantically trying to get out the lock drawer to break it up, but she doesn't do it in time. Soraya, your new AEW World Women's Champion in 8.50. Yes, the women's match did get shortchanged for time, but it didn't overstay its welcome as well. And this was the right decision. Hometown girl, home country girl, getting the win here, big stadium setting. Really, really good result. And Britt Baker, probably one of the most cheered people on the entire show from at least crowd reactions that I took note of. So match number eight is, uh, as we forementioned, uh, Swerve. You're going to need a new partner here, buddy. So it is the coffin match of Swerve Strickland and Christian Cage. And the go-home week to this, when they uh, Swerve turned on Fox and said he had a new partner, out comes Christian Cage. And he's looking to the ring. There's Sting, AR Fox, Darby Allen, and young Nick Wayne in Christian Cage goes, Oh, young Nick Wayne, I heard that you had a father, and your father is dead. <laughs> Christian is just finding all these people in AEW with dead fathers, and it has just become his gimmick. And I love it. There's the uh, compilation of... Uh, but your father's dead over his entrance music going around. I think it might have been featured in Botchmania recently. 
very good, chef's kiss. Um, yes, taking on the team of that is Darby Allen and this is Sting. Sting getting his uh, Metallica entrance, I believe, was Seek and Destroy. I'm sure Alex is yelling at me somewhere with a cocktail in his hand going, No, it wasn't. But yes, uh, very good matchup here of uh, Darby and Sting. Uh, Sting bringing out the uh, black cricket bat because London, <laughs> uh, which Alex did point out on last week's show, he did do a few times when uh, TNA used to tape in um, in London. Yes, back in the days when TNA was an international touring company. Oh, I suppose, actually, before I finish that thought, they still are. They did come to Australia a few months ago. But yeah, uh, Sting and Darby Allen take on Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland. Darby and Swerve were basically killing themselves in this match, whilst Sting and Christian Cage had a pose down, and at the biggest attend, uh, what was it? The biggest event in wrestling history. How have they marketed it? Uh, da, 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 da. They market it as the biggest event in wrestling history. It's the biggest paid attendance. That's it in wrestling history. We get a stare down between Sting and Christian Cage, and we get a TNA chant. Absolutely insane. Uh, but closing stages here, Swerve tries to put Sting into the coffin, goes to close the lid, but Swerve... Uh, sorry, Sting uses the baseball bat to stop the lid from closing. They uh, counter onto Swerve. Darby does like a, a coffin drop on Swerve as he's draped on the coffin. They put Swerve in, close the lid, and Darby and Sting win. Unbelievable 16-minute just car crash TV. Uh, third from the top, and I'm surprised this didn't co-main event, but I guess you did need a bit of a breather. It is Will Ospreay, who has Don Callis in his corner. I also found it weird that Will, for being a leader in a New Japan faction and having come over before and had the Aussie Open boys in his corner for United Empire, he didn't come out with them. And, like, United Empire... Uh, sorry, Aussie Open have been asked a few times before, are you still part of United Empire? And on social media, they've said, yeah, we're just in AEW now. So, yeah, Will pretty much just coming out on his own here versus Chris Jericho, who has a Sammy by his side because the JAS is no more. They... They need to do something with uh, Bernard, Parker, and Garcia... That'd be a good trios team if they weren't immediately given to the trios champs this week on TV. Uh, yeah, we can get there. But this this was a, a good match. Uh, Will kicking out of um, the Codebreaker, Jericho kicking out of the Stormbreaker, and then I think it was one or two hidden blades and another Stormbreaker, and Will wins. I'm not doing this match justice, but. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Uh, co-main event in a House of uh, House of Black Rules... No, what is it? A House Rules match for the AW World Trios Championship. That is always going to stumble me. Uh, it is the defending champs. House of Black, 
Malachi Black, Brody King and Buddy Matthews, along with Julia Hart, and as they're making their entrance, Buddy has the lantern in a nod to uh, Bray Wyatt, who passed away the week of All In, leaves it on the rampway, and the crowd knew this was the entrance to do it for. They've all got their phones out, much like they would the Fireflies when Bray used to make his entrance, and it's a, it's a nice little image. And Excalibur does call light to that on commentary. Taking on the team of The Acclaim, Anthony Bones, Max Caster, and Billy Gunn. And their choice rule is a no-holds-barred match. So, uh, it's just sort of every man for himself. And at one point, um, Julia Hart's in the ring, and it's no-hold-barred. So they sort of, um attack her as well to sort of even out the numbers to a three-on-three. And they all, I believe it was Brody King, who takes all three finishes like a famous uh, the mic drop. And, um, yeah, he gets pinned, and House of Black lose these titles. Sign of respect from House of Black, though, post-match, handing over the championship belts. And we have new trios champions. But your main event here in Wembley, Adam Cole, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion, taking on MJF, Ring of Honor Tag Team Champion for the AEW World Championship. MJF is the defending AEW World Champion. This was a really good match, and it goes, you know, around, I'm going to say about 18 minutes. And we get a double clothesline. One, two, three. And Remsburg cancels the pinfall. <laughs> Referee Remsburg calls to the timekeeper. It's a draw. Double pinfall. And Adam Cole sort of gets two jumps on the mic. No, no, no. Five more minutes. And then MJF grabs the mic. We're not going until we have a winner in Wembley. And the crowd, of course, cheers all this. So we keep going around another ten minutes. At points, MJF is sort of thinking about using the ring, the dynamite diamond ring, and looks at it and just puts it back in his tights. And he almost gets caught by Cole and he's sort of questioning should he have used the ring on Cole to put him away or not. And in the closing stages of the match, MJF gets the upper hand here and defeats Adam Cole and is still world champion. In the post-match, you know, they're sort of uh, MJF's happy, he goes to congratulate Cole for a good match, and Cole's just sort of not happy about the result. MJF hands him his Ring of Honor tag title, and he just throws it away. And out comes Roddy Strong and the Kingdom. Yeah! <laughs> Wembley payday for the Kingdom. Uh, and uh, Roddy's telling Cole to attack MJF, and MJ's like... Oh, you never liked me. You just wanted this title about, didn't you? So he hands him the world title and says, well, if you're going to attack me with it, just hit me with it. Turning his back, arms out. Anyone who's a fan of ECW would know it's sort of like a Raven-esque pose. Um, but yes. And we get... Adam Cole throws down the AEW world title, embraces MJF, and they still remain friends as they go off the air. Ring of Honor tag champs united and uh, Roderick Strong just sort of looking dejected hanging to the back. 
I thought it was a really good event itself. Like, I'm sure if you go watch this back in 5, 10, 15 years, in a bubble, it is going to be a great show. The build for this show was horrible. Horrible. And, yeah, okay, part of that is on stuff falling apart, Parks out injured, uh, um, Jamie Hayter's out injured, two of your biggest stars who you were going to build this show around. Okay, sure. Um, Ray Phoenix, travel issues, AR Fox, travel issues. Okay, it's starting to pile up a little now. So, so fair enough on that. But to have almost the entire card not announced until two weeks out. Yeah. Yeah, not not too good for me. Uh, looking over the Observer ratings, if anyone is that way inclined in terms of wrestling uh, ratings. Actually, first of all, my beer rating is a four, and that is just purely because the build for this was terrible, and mainly because I watched... If this was a full-price AEW pay-per-view with the build the way it was, I don't think I would have watched it. And same goes for all-out. If I hadn't already purchased it in the pay-per-view bundle, I don't think I would have watched it. And I still think it's a stupid idea to run back-to-back pay-per-views next year. I just want that on record. Um, For me, match of the night... It's it's sort of a hard task. Like, I think part of me wants to say the Stadium Stampede match because it's just violent for the sake of being violent, but also the Coffin match. Okay, let's have a look at these Observer Star ratings for anyone who's that way interested. One, two, three, four. Four and a half for your... MJF Adam Cole match. I'm just having a look at some of the bigger star ratings here. Four and three quarters for Osprey Jericho. Four and a quarter for the Coffin match. Uh, what's that? Four and a half for Stadium Stampede. Four and three quarters for FTR Bucks. And four and a half for the Bullet Club six man against Golden Elite. Uh, pre-show, uh, nothing above three and a half on there. So yeah, uh, at least Meltzer saying best match of the night, either Bucks FTR or Osprey Jericho. So yeah, uh, we can talk... Let's see, what's next? We can talk all out. So, news breaks. Officially confirmed. Coming to you from the AEW socials. CM Punk is no longer all elite. Uh, where's the actual statement itself? Let's have a quick looky-loo at that. Statement from All Elite Wrestling and Tony Khan. And I quote, All Elite Wrestling, in brackets, AEW, close brackets, has terminated the wrestler and employment agreements between Phil Brooks, in brackets, Sam Punk, close brackets, and AEW with calls effective immediately. The termination has 
uh, was confirmed today by Tony Khan, CEO, General Manager and Head of Creative of AEW. The termination follows a week-long investigation of an incident that occurred backstage at AEW All in London on Sunday, August 27th. Following the investigation, the AEW Disciplinely, Disciplinely Committee, yeah, close enough with my English, met and later convened with outside legal counsel before making a unanimous recommendation to Khan that Sam Punk be terminated with cause. Khan offered the following statement, quote, Phil played an important role within AEW and I thank him for his contributions. The termination of his AEW contracts with cause is ultimately my decision and mine alone. Of course, I wish I didn't have to share this news, which may come as a disappointment to many of our fans. Nevertheless, I am making the decision in the best interest of the many amazing people who make AEW possible every week. Our talent, staff, venue operators, and many other, uh, many others whose efforts are unsung but essential to bringing our fans a great show on television and at arenas and stadiums uh, throughout the world. Sorry, I just paused it. Uh, end quote. And that is the end of the statement from AEW. Um, yeah, so this brings to an end the era of CM Punk in AEW coming in just before All Out 2021. Uh, the second episode of Rampage entitled The First Dance uh, because the first episode of Rampage, if I'm remembering correctly, was Bill Ram Britt Baker being in Pittsburgh for the first time. But yes, the first dance, the emotional crowd reactions, the song just playing forever as Punk goes down to the ring, does his big statement, stops, then picks up the mic again. Oh yeah, and you're all going home with ice cream. So at this point, everyone's sort of, you know, on top of the world. The unthinkable has happened. They never say never in wrestling. CM Punk has come back. And he's going to work with Darby Allen. Great. Two Chicago people at a Chicago pay-per-view. This should be brilliant. You know, their, their match was pretty good. Uh, shades back to Brett and... Brett and X-Pac. One, two, three, kid, lightning kid, uh, sticks, various other names. But yes, the Brett X-Pac match, I believe it's from a Raw, if I'm remembering correctly. If Alex was here, would be correcting me. I guess he's glad he's not. Let Chris make all the mistakes. I'll just tell him next week. If I listen. So yeah. All Out 2021. Punk has his big return match. He's on top of the world. The press conference afterwards, you know, Tony's smiling ear to ear. And then... You know, Punk sort of starts working his way up. He gets that really good dog collar match with MJF. Really good match, actually, now that I'm thinking back about it. And then he moves on to then champion, then AEW world champion, I should say, uh, Hangman Adam Page. And, of course, there's that promo where Hangman says, you talk a big game about workers' rights and... This Sunday, I'm defending AEW from you. And, of course, sometime in there, there was a match with Eddie Kingston where Eddie says, Nobody wants you here. They never wanted you here. 
everyone in the back's afraid to say it, but not me. <laughs> so yeah, we get into the uh, Punk Hangman match, which it's a fine match. Don't get me wrong, it's not great either, but you know, it, it it's fine. And then Punk wins the title. He gets injured. We have to do an interim men's title. Which Moxley wins because at the uh, it um, was supposed to be Punk Tanahashi at Forbidden Door, the first Forbidden Door, which didn't happen. So it was, ended up being Moxley Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of the universe, for the interim AEW World Championship. And hindsight being 2020. It was the right decision to put the belt on Mox. Don't get me wrong. It was. But. If you could have had Tanahashi stick around for a little while. It wouldn't have been the worst decision either. And then. You know. Uh, shortly before. All out 2022. So almost coming up on a year in the company. Punk returns. And. He's uh, feuding with interim champion John Moxley, and they do the uh, unification match on TV. I believe it's the Dynamite before the pay per view, and Moxley wins, undisputed world champion, or unified world champion, whatever the term was, AEW was using at the time, and he unifies the belts. I still feel this was a stupid move to unify the belts and give Mox uh, oh, a two-week title reign. It was in Cleveland, Ohio, where he defeated um, Punk to unify the belts. So he has that two-week title reign. We get to All Out, the match against Mox. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good match. And... Um, Punk gets through it, and then he injures himself. Oh, that's right, it's the, um, so going back to Double or Nothing, the match with Hangman Page, the night after that on Dynamite is where Punk jumps into the crowd and either breaks or hurts his foot somehow, and that's where he goes off TV and sits at home injured. He's still world champion. He's just at home injured during that time. So yeah, uh, jumping back to All Out 2022, Sam Punk in the main event defeats John Moxley to become a two-time AEW World Champion. And in the um, but the conclusion of the main event, uh, voice audio plays Tony Khan. All right, come back. I'll give you X amount of money. It's like bleaked out, and the Joker comes out from uh, the battle, was it, the casino ladder match earlier in the night and takes off his hood and it's revealed to be MJF. Now, I'm sure looking back on all this in the past few days, this is where Tony Khan was sort of heading. So, uh, Punk, in the press conference, uh, what's the nicest way of putting this? Um torpedoes his career (laughs) 
uh, goes after Colt Banner, goes after Hangman and Page, goes after the EVPs, and no, I don't mean Brandy and Cody Rhodes, but the Young Bucks and and Kenny Omega, goes after the management, and Tony Khan's sitting next to him this whole time as Punk's calling Hangman Adam Page, who was a champion a mere for like seven months earlier, calling him an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, following that, Punk is this... Oh, before this... Jeez. Yeah, it's, it's all over the shop. So, following the press conference, holy cow. Okay. And then I'm done watching the press conferences, as with most things I'm watching on delay. Uh, like, send a message to Alex. Okay, I'll watch the press conference. Holy shit. He's like, oh. And then he sends me an article to the news, and I'm going, holy shit. <laughs> so, sometime after Punk's comments, Punk goes back to the locker room. In his locker room is Ace Steel, Larry the Dog, which is Punk's legitimate pet dog, and Ace Steel's wife, who was there to watch Larry the Dog. The EVPs turn up to Punk's locker room with someone from legal. They go in. Punk says the EVPs were the aggressors. The EVPs say Punk was the aggressor. And a brawl breaks out where Punk swings at someone. Ace still swings at one of the Bucks and gives... Throws a chair and gives one of the Bucks black eye and bites Kenny Omega. So, following this... The following people at least got suspended for some portion of time. I don't have the full list, but from memory, Punk, Ace Steel, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Kenny Omega, Michael Nakazawa, Brandon Cutler, Christopher Daniels, um... Oh, and Pat Buck. So there's at least nine people from that that got suspended with pay for a week or two. This should have been the biggest moment for the company, and a year in, CM Punk has torpedoed his career, <laughs> burying the company, the management, the former world champion, <laughs> the EVPs. So Punk goes home, there's sort of a, 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 sort of a non-talking period whilst he's home. He's then... Brought back with the beginning of AW Collision on Saturdays. And we're thinking, okay, there's going to be this talk of a brand split. And um, a soft brand split happens where a lot of the elite only work Dynamite. And Punk's friends like FTR were only working Collision. And at this point... MJF is world champion. A few weeks after Punk comes back, he brings out a bag and says to Tony Schiavone, who's interviewing him in the ring, this is mine. I never lost this, but now it has my mark and spray paints a giant X over the AEW world championship saying he's the real world champion. So it looked like we were course correcting to MJF Punk finally 
that was sort of the seeds were sown at the previous All Out. And we were sort of building towards that Punk being the, the real world champion. I was never beaten for this title. MJF over here as the world champion wrestling a Ric Flair style um, schedule. And then we get to All Out. Uh, all In, sorry. All In. I don't know why they're using both names for the pay-per-views. So, Jack Perry got told by Punk, you shouldn't be using real glass. Okay? And then Jack, uh, in this FTW match, says, looks into the camera and says, real glass is, like, tapping on the on the uh, windscreen. Cry me a river. And Punk took exception to this as his match was going on next. He's in the go position backstage, waiting for uh, him, waiting to go out to the ring. And Jack Perry comes back and uh, something to the effect of Punk saying, do you have a problem with me? And then an altercation ensuing where monitors fell on Tony Khan and Sam Punk told Tony Khan he quit, allegedly. And then Punk went out and did the match. So, uh, yeah, following the investigation, Punk is gone, stemming from this incident with uh, Jack Perry at All In. Jack Perry uh, still suspended at the moment. And Tony Khan has not commented publicly on the no-compete of CM Punk. But, yeah, bit bit of a fucking shit show over there at the moment. Oh, God. It's, every time the... The company sort of is building itself up on this wave. It just crashes down, and it's not good to see. All right, we'll talk a bit about All Out, then we can talk, I don't know, maybe Impact, then some WWE, then some other stuff. But yes, All Out coming to you from Chicago, Illinois, with about 10,000 people in attendance. Uh... Pre-show match, the over-the-budget charity battle royale, which saw uh, anyone of note. This is usually fun to see if there's, like, anyone of note actually in this thing. Uh, not really. Um, it came down to Brian Cage and Hangman on page with Hangman winning. And uh, the charity was announced as, I believe it's, like, some Chicago based um, school charity, education charity. I, I didn't take note of this, to be honest, but yes. Uh, second match of the pre-show was a six-woman tag. Hikaru Shida, Willow Nightingale, and Sky Blue taking on the team of Athena, Mercedes Martinez, and Diamante, who have Billy Starks in their corner as Billy's sort of working with Athena in Ring of Honor at the moment. I like the pairing of Mercedes and Diamante. Um, do AEW need a women's tag team division? Yes and no. Do AEW need more focus on their women's division? Yes, would adding another title, including your two AEW women's titles, the AEW Women's World, the 
AWTBS and the Ring of Honor Women's World Titles. Plus, you occasionally get your New Japan, uh, New Japan Strong Women's Champion as well. So, there's four-ish titles you have access to. So, yeah, they they do need to do a little more with their women. A little bit more focus would be nice. Uh, so yeah, Hikaru Shida, Willow Nightingale, and Chicago's own Sky Blue coming out in a. The colours of Chicago, that light blue, the red star markings on her tights and a lot of white. Uh, your main event of the pre-show was a AEW World Trios match. Um, oh yeah, so the acclaim on the Dynamite after All In London uh, come out. They've got new Trios belts, as we talked about last week. They're all pink. They've got the... Um, Scissors on the back of the straps where they join. Pretty cool. They had a, a trios match, and just the timeline in my mind is just all over the place with two bloody pay-per-views. I can't remember if this was before All In or after All In. The Acclaim take you on uh, uh, Daddy Magic, Angelo Parker, and Matt Menard in a... in a... um. In a trios match. I was like, oh, you could have built this up to be something more than like a, a throwaway match, I feel, on like a rampage. Don't get me wrong. Fun match, just nothing really happening. This match here, though, on the pay-per-view, six-man tag against Jarrett Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal, who have Sanjay Dutt and Karen Jarrett ringside. And in the corner of the acclaimed is Dennis Rodman. And in the closing stages of this match, Rodman smacks Satnam Singh with the guitar and the acclaimed win with the help of Dennis Rodman. A fun, fun opener match here. Alrighty. Uh, from there, opening the pay-per-view itself was your world champion MJF teaming with Adam Cole defending the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. Better than you, baby. Take you on Dark Orders, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver with Evil Uno ringside. Um, I like Dark Order, but they have not meant anything in years. They haven't. And... And the problem is with Dark Order. They've been so start-stop, wishy-washy. Unfortunately, since the passing of Brody Lee in December 2020. So by June 2021, they were sort of a bit wishy-washy. People leaving the group. Lost Alan Five Angels. Lost Stu Grayson. Lost Anna Jay. Lost Preston Ten Vance. So you'd lose all those people. But Stuart Grayson came back and teamed with the Dark Order. And did anyone care? No. No, no one cared. Because it was on Ring of Honor television and you could see from the first episode, oh, Stu's going to go and join the Righteous. Don't get me wrong, the Righteous, get in. But, <laughs> yeah, 
it's it's like um like watching New Japan and a faction that used to be really good um I don't know Great Bash Heels and watching them now and just being like oh you're both old now that's kind of sad but this match sucked Dark Order are now heels since when <laughs> I've seen a lot of people saying that since when so I guess Dark Order's decided they're going heels after having Stu Grayson leave them to turn heel and join the Righteous. Uh, logic. Where? Where is the logic in this? Uh, can't be found. But better than you, baby, win the Ring of Honor tag titles. So, sure, that's something. Next match on the card, as uh, MJF's walking up the ramp, some Mahojo just goes past him and hip and shoulders him and instantly brings up thoughts of uh, the GIF champion of NXT, Samoa Joe, just pushing security guard MJF out of the way. But this being a Ring of Honor TV title match against Shane Taylor, going 6.25, Shane Taylor got a fair bit of time to shine in this, I thought, for, <laughs> for the time that was allotted. But Joe ultimately gets the win here. And... This is the problem with AEW. You have your group of AEW titles, and then you have the Ring of Honor titles as well. And it's like, you have Honor Club now, Honor Club TV for Ring of Honor. It should almost be featured on there more, or if you are going to build up matches for this pay-per-view, you know, start advertising the graphics on Dynamite beforehand. Like, you could have built up... Um, oh, jeez, no. Yeah, you could have built up Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor for the Ring of Honor World TV title at this pay-per-view. You could have built up the... Um, the Ring of Honor tag champs will defend against number one seeds Dark Order at this pay-per-view. You could have done an Athena... Ring of Honor women's title defense at this pay-per-view, which allegedly was going to be against Billy Starks, but uh, Billy's a bit injured at the moment, so they're just playing that off for a bit later. But um, we'll go to match number six here. It is Darby Allen with Nick Wayne taking on Luchasaurus, the TNT champion, with Christian Cage going 12-20. Darby was just killed in this match, but it is like... Darby's specialty at this point just going out and and yes everyone makes the comparison of being the new Jeff Hardy but this is what this guy does uh, I thought it was a really good TNT match going 12-20 and Luchasaurus retaining at one point Christian was telling uh, Nick Wayne to throw in the towel for Darby but Nick Wayne wouldn't a Oh, I'm so disappointed Alex isn't in the call for this, but match number seven of the pay-per-view, Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs in a meat match. The fans made this match, uh, chanting meat every time somebody would slap somebody, or this, was it this is meat? <laughs> Just a lot of meat-related chants because it's two big meaty men slapping meat. 
uh, if you like Hoss Wrestling, you'll very much enjoy this match. 15-40, Miro getting the win here over Powerhouse, but uh, I don't even remember the gimmick of the uh, Tron, but it was something like fit and fabulous, and out comes his hot wife, <laughs> CJ Perry, the former Lana, um, comes out ringside to see Miro. Miro sort of in shock, just rolls out of the ring and goes up the ramp by himself, leaving his wife there in the ring. So, uh, uh, more to come. Hopefully, we are not revisiting uh, Rusev and Lana with Bobby Lashley, but instead swapping out Bobby Lashley for Powerhouse Hobbs. I know... Tony Khan sometimes likes to uh, cherry-pick certain moments of wrestling history. Please don't cherry-pick this one. Okay, match number eight. TBS champion Chris Statlander taking on Ruby Soho, who had Soraya ringside. Going 12-25 here. Uh, Soraya trying to distract the ref as Ruby gets out the spray paint, but out comes Tony Storm. She takes a spray paint from Ruby and Chris Statlander capitalizes here to give uh to give uh Chris Statlander capitalizes here to retain the TBS championship. Did anyone else realize that Statlander had held the belt for about 90 days at that point? Yeah, neither did I. Like it feels like she should have done a lot more. And it feels like she hasn't really done that much. Like, I've got the tab open now. I can have a look at how many defences she's had. She's had a few defences. Uh, 31st of uh, May against Nyla Rose. 7th of the 6th against Anna Jay. The 21st of the 6th against Ty Valkyrie. 29 for the 6 against Lady Frost on Collision. The 19 for the 7th against Maria Shafir. The 5th of the 8th against Mercedes Martinez. And the 3rd of the 9th against Ruby Soho. But I digress. It was a fine match and it is playing into the dissension between the outcasts that Ruby had Statlander's number until this match, and it was all because Tony interfered. Uh, following that was a strap match where Ricky Starks will face the Dragon, but it's not the one who he thinks after beating up Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, or as we have said here before, the Dreamboat, Ricky uh, the Dragon. But it is in fact the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, and I love this go home promo of Brian's saying that the last time I was in a strap match was with somebody I loved and we went to war with each other we beat the living hell out of each other so what do you think I'm going to do to you Ricky Starks and yeah for anyone unaware uh, 2020 oh, I think it's 2020 it's a strap match against the Fiend it's like one of Brian's last matches before he leaves the company, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, um, really good strap match. 
beating the holy hell out of each other. Brian probably shouldn't even be back yet, to be honest, but yeah. Going 22-40 and Brian Danielson beats Ricky Starks. Yeah, really good match. Um, I don't think the Observer ratings for these are in yet. No. But uh, I'll be interested to see how many that gets. Because to me, that was definitely match of the night. Uh, match number 10. We, we may not have got much announced going into this show, but we certainly did get plenty of matches at the show. Uh, match number 10, Blackpool Combat Club. So, everyone in Blackpool Combat Club getting a match this weekend. It is Claudio Casanoli and Willa Yuta taking on Eddie Kingston, the New Japan Strong Champion, and Katsuyori Shibata, the Ring of Honor Pure Champion. And of course, Claudio in this match being the Ring of Honor World Champion. Again, as I mentioned before, the title problem. Like, if you were going to do two pay-per-views back-to-back, you could have splintered some people off into title matches. Like, the problem with doing the big stadium show first is it doesn't really allow you to use the smaller of the two shows to build into that stadium show. You can't have, um, like, a singles match of uh, Eddie and Claudio or Eddie and Wheeler before you get to uh, Stadium Stampede. Like, not that that's a bad thing. It's just me sort of nitpicking. This tag team match, really good, though. Going 15-55 with Blackpool Combat Club getting the win. Anytime I hear Shibata's music, because I was I did watch the uh, how do I put this nicely? The match with the injury against Okada. Yeah, I still still get chills when I hear that song. Match number eleven is the singles match of Konosuke Takesta, who has terrible entrance music with Tom Callis, taking on Kenny Omega. And, of course, Justin Roberts giving Kenny the big, big entrance, saying, he comes, he has a holiday home in North Carolina. You know, the whole stick. This match here going 30-30. I felt towards the end it did start to get a bit long for myself. But I will say this. Absolute right decision for the winner here. Konosuke Takesta pins Kenny Omega and wins. I believe I was saying on commentary too, it's the third singles meeting between the two men with Kenny winning the previous two in DDT. And also Kenny's uh, entrance, not entrance tie, ring attire for this match was uh, very DDT inspired looking. His old throwback to like that green with orange markings on the tights. Your co-main event of the evening is Bullet Club Gold, Austin and Carlton Gunn with Jay White and Juice Robinson as a quartet, or a group of, group of four, they have one of the best entrances. How the lights go down, it's just a spotlight, and the camera just pans around them. Very good entrance. Um, taking, on, <laughs> taking on the AEW World Tag Team Champion team of FTR Hair and FTR Board, along with the Young Bucks. An eight-man tag team match where Bullet Club Gold pick up the win here. 
uh, I know Alex and I have discussed it before on the show. I believe, like, Jay White needs to move up to a singles division and uh, TNT champion is Luchasaurus. Um, T... No, not T. Um, international champion going into this show was Orange Cassidy. World champion going into this show is um, MJF. I'm just realising now, a lot of the singles champions are all heel. They're all heel on AEW. Ring of Honor world champion is Claudio. Ring of Honor TV champion is Samoa Joe. Ring of Honor pure champion is is, 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 is Katsuyori Shibata. Like... Jay White and Katsuyori Shibata would be an interesting match. However, Jay White as his heel persona as Switchblade in a pure rules match. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. More so because Alex and I have talked um, about we think the Acclaims trios run is going to end with Bullet Club Gold, the Guns, and Juice defeating them. So it's sort of Billy Gunn retires in the ring, losing to his sons. Which which would be nice. Double Famouser. Sons co-pin him. New Trials champs. Like, the way I booked it sort of before the turn, I was thinking, oh, you know, they could do... Because uh, there was talk for the longest time of Trio's belts coming in. And this was while Kenny was injured. And I'm like, you bring in the Trio's belts and, you know, sort of give Billy Gunn one last hurrah with the Trio's belts with his sons. But by God, the, the Austin and Colton, the, the young guns, if you will, have totally reinvented themselves in this new package. Also, Bullet Club is... So overinflated. We talk about it all the time. It is very uh, much like the NWO and not in a good good way. Uh, where is the Aussie branch? We've got no new members at the moment, but you've got Jack Bonza, Lybird Lucci, Cave Minug, Tone Philippe and Steve Fil- Stevie Philippe. Stevie's better. But uh, the leader of the Australasian branch, I guess by default is Bad Luck Fale and sub leader is Bonza needs to put Gino back in there to be honest yeah actually Gino should be doing New Japan Tamashi commentary he really should okay uh, your main event of this show of course, John Moxley saving the day yet again. It is John Moxley versus Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy, the defending international champion. This match going 1950, and wouldn't you know it, John Moxley bleeds in this match. But I kid. Uh, really good match here. This was star making for Orange Cassidy. Like, not that he wasn't a star already. And this is what I was thinking about in the moment. I'm like, Oh, we gave the belt to John Moxley after this long ass reign, but who did it help elevate? 
John Moxley's already at that level. And it took me a little while of thinking about that, going, oh, who could you really give this to to elevate? And then I went, oh, hang on. It's elevated Orange Cassidy up. Because John Moxley is seen as a main eventer, and they were pushing the fact on commentary. This is the first time Orange Cassidy has main evented an AEW pay-per-view. And they are hammering home that fact. So it is elevating up Orange Cassidy. It is not dropping down John Moxley. For me, a, a solid, a solid show. Nothing you can really criticise too much in ring. Nothing you can really criticise too much production-wise. It is going to be bumped down a couple of beers, though, for the fact that the booking was just terrible. Not knowing most of the matches a week out. was I think we looked at this a week out, and the only thing I knew that was confirmed was the TBS women's title of Statlander and Soho and Miro versus Hobbs. Like, <sighs> as much as I did enjoy it, just thinking back, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to say four, four beers. And that is heavily, heavily carried by the in-ring and the crowd. Like, other than that, like, there is, there's one of those events you watch back in a bubble, the same as All in London. No one will remember the build to them because you have those video packages. But other than that, it's, it's not, <laughs> not that good. <laughs> Again, it is a generous four beers. I'm just going to have a quick look over on Cage Match. See what the top-rate match there was by their humans. I said uh, the the um, strap match. So with a score of nine point um, pre pre-show didn't have anything above a five point six, and that was the six-woman tag. Pre-show was not good. Uh, sorry, nine point. 2-9 from 546 votes, uh, this being the cage match ranking. Brian Danielson and Ricky Stark strap match, a very close second. 5.26 for the international title match of Orange Cassidy, John Moxley. And a 9.13 Kanosuke Takeshita versus Kenny Omega. So, like I said, I think a lot of the, uh, the cage match re reviewers here agree with me. Um, this event getting a 9.32. So, the in-ring itself, really good. Just the the build-up and the booking, kind of terrible. Uh, by comparison, All in London getting an 8.82. I disagree with that, because I feel that All in London was the better of the two shows. Because, uh... All out felt very thrown together, sort of last minute-ish, in the way it was uh, presented. Um, we have a update here via Andrew Thompson of Post Wrestling on uh, Kevin Kelly, who is the current Collision commentator. Also does the New Japan English commentary. 
uh, says that a uh, quote from Andrew Thompson's article says uh, Kelly notes that he'll be leaving the position at some point uh, going on to have a I believe that's Twitter quote yes wax now at some point uh, Kevin Kelly saying on Twitter at I am at some point soon but I'll leave it to New Japan to announce it or not I plan on calling Destruction in Ryugoku and Wrestle Kingdom slash New Year's Dash. My wife of 42 years says she doesn't want to be alone anymore, so that's why I made the decision. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. I I do very much enjoy Kevin Kelly on New Japan World as a primary English listener myself. Uh so yeah, we've at least got Kevin Kelly through until New Year's Dash. It's just a, a shame uh, that we'll be losing him, but I suppose uh, New Japan's loss is uh, AEW's gain. Um, over the years, he's had Chris Charlton, Don Callis, Rocky Romero, of course, Gino Gambino. So it'll be interesting, I guess, to see who will step up into that role. And uh, also on the topic of uh, New Japan, wherever I saw this, I believe uh, World Tag League got confirmed. Do we have participants confirmed? Or not yet? Uh, No, not yet. But World Tag is running uh, November to December, and I believe Junior Tag is running October to November. Uh, junior, like, what's its name? Um, oh, just over uh, Rev Pro Velocities. I hope someone phones the Velocities for uh, Super Junior Tag League. I, I'm not trying to discredit the guys, but I think. With New Japan system, that's where they'd fall in the weight classes. So yeah, it'd be it'd be good to see those guys get a chance. Uh, let's jump quickly over to Impact, and we can finish on some WWE and some Aussie news. It's it's a bit of a longer one here. I didn't think I'd be able to talk this long. All right. Uh, so for Impact One Thousands from White Plains, New York, is this tomorrow? No, this will be on the ninth. Okay, so it's going to take place on the 9th. I don't know the air date in front of me, I'm sorry. Um, so there'll be an Ultimate X match, which, uh, of course, is a, a staple of the X Division. Oh, who was it that created the Ultimate X? Someone was saying it was Don Callis that came up with the idea, at least in terms of on-screen for the... Ultimate X match. Could be true. Um, yes, Ultimate X match where there's four pillars on the ring post and two steel cables creating an X over the top of the ring. Sometimes with a contract, sometimes with the championship hanging above the ring. So that'll be uh, interesting to see who gets named for that because we do have some names coming back for this show. Uh, a mixed tag match of Frankie Kazarian and Tracy Brooks versus Eddie Edwards and Alicia Edwards. 
I'm surprised this is happening at Impact 1000, considering how heated it's been with uh, Frankie and his uh, wife. Is that his wife, Tracy Brooks? Or am I getting the wrong lady? I hope I haven't just said the wrong lady. No, no, that is his wife. Okay. So, yeah. Two real-life couples there in a mixed tag. Uh, a singles match of Dirty Dango taking on Jake something. Wasn't Jake something the one who got Sonata? Um, emergence. Might have been the one before Emergence? I don't know. No, it was um bloody... Um... Oh, what's it called? It was like a... I can't even think the name of it. It's a impact... It's like Forbidden Door, but it's Impact's version of Forbidden Door. Um... Oh, what is it called? Um... There's gonna be some human there just yelling at me. It's called this, you idiot! And I'm sure it is. Um, God damn, I can't even remember the name of it. Multiverse United. Jeez, okay, well that was a complete stuff around. Uh, Sonata. No, Sonata didn't get a match on that card? Okay. I thought he was supposed to. Ah, well. Maybe I'm just remembering wrong. It is late. Uh, we have a feast or fired match. I wonder if it's somebody who's not with the company. They get fired. They actually get a contract to be with the company. Uh, no one's been announced for that yet. But uh, the the classic feast or fired was... Um, one briefcase has an X Division title shot. One briefcase has the... Uh, tag team title shot. One briefcase has a world title shot, and one briefcase has a fired. <laughs> so you are legitimately released from the company because TNA. <laughs> there is a ten-woman tag team match that'll see Awesome Kong, Gal Kim, Trinity, uh, and Jordan Grace with a partner to be announced. In their corner will be. Uh, Risha Saeed they will face Angelina Love, Diana Perazzo Giselle Shaw, Savannah Evans and a partner to be announced in their corner will be Jay Vidal and Velvet Sky that is actually a really interesting matchup because we haven't seen Awesome Kong wrestle since AEW, and I think the last time we saw in a ring was her retirement at NWA. Was it empowered with Gal King in the ring? Wow, that's a. I think that's two years ago now. Wow. There will be a singles match for the Impact World Championship of Alex Shelley versus Trey Miguel with Zachary Wentz ringside, and a tag team match of. Bully Ray and 
Brother Deve on Team 3D reunites for one night only to take on a team to be announced. I'm really looking forward to this and uh, I can't wait to watch it with my Impact Plus. Okay, let's chat WWE Payback coming to you from the Steel City in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Again, this was sort of a lackluster build for me. There was like one... No, I lied. There was two things on this show that I actually cared about. Uh, so I'll just get to this, otherwise I'll forget it. Grayson Waller effect. Don't really care about Cody or what he has to say. I can say this as much as I want. Cody is overrated. <laughs> we'll see if Alex listens back to the show or not. <laughs> no, no, I kid. I'm just winding him up because he's not here. Uh, <laughs> Grayson Waller interviews Cody and... You know, then Cody invites somebody to come back, and when you're not, it's a go quit WWE. By golly, he's back. But this time, he's on Raw. Yeah, Jay, Jay Uso returned, and he hit Grayson Waller. And then Grayson Waller backstage took one of the greatest photos ever to just tie into the whole weekend. This man hit me. I demand he be fired. And it's Grayson holding a can of Pepsi to his face. <laughs> oh, the guy's so good. Okay. Other, the other thing I was looking forward to on this um, entire card was Becky Lynch versus Trish Stratus in a steel cage match. And that opens the show. So we get uh, Becky and Trish opening the show. Goes 20 minutes. Really good cage match. And Becky here picking up the win, you know, in the um, post-match outs is Zoe Starks and she's sort of comforting Trish and then they sort of get in a bit of a squabble and they're going their own ways now, it seems. Following that, John Cena comes out and talks for a bit and then LA Knight and Miz are having their match and John Cena serves a special guest referee. LA Knight gets the win and uh, there's sort of a bit of an awkward uh, moment going up the ramp where John Cena offers respect to LA Knight. And he sort of begrudgingly accepts it. Third match of the night was Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Austin Fury for the United States title. This going just under 10 minutes where Rey Mysterio retains his US title. Uh, the fourth match of the night in a Steel City street fight for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship that sees... Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Damian Priest with uh, Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley ringside challenge Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens here with his uh, uh, Terry Funk shirt. Uh, also, Eddie Kingston uh, in his tag match against Claudio has, <laughs> I'm sure Alex popped for this, uh, a bright orange shirt and it just reads, Claudio sucks eggs. A throwback to uh, Terry Funk's old shirt that just said Dusty Sucks Eggs. <laughs> but here, the Judgment Day get the win. The Judgment Day holding all the gold going $20 uh, $20, I wish. 20 minutes 45. So yes, Judgment Day are your new undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions. Following that, Rhea has to come back out as she is facing Raquel Rodriguez in a singles match for the Women's World Championship. 
This going 1720. Um I felt it was good. I didn't think it was good as their matches they had in NXT. I don't know if something just wasn't clicking with Raquel playing uh, the face role while Rhea's playing the heel role in their match here on the main roster, whereas it was uh, the other way around on NXT. But I don't know, maybe it's because I went back and watched one of those NXT matches before as well. But I, don't, I just felt that something... It was a good match. It just sort of didn't click into that next gear for me. And uh, your main event with one great Muta ringside, Keiji Muto. <laughs> it is Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Nakamura. God, I love Nakamura, but this guy has meant almost nothing in WWE for what, like six years? I want to say. I'm just having a look now. When was that WrestleMania match? Against, um... I think it's WrestleMania 34? Against AJ for the championship because both him and Asuka lose that night. Asuka winning the Women's Royal Rumble. Yeah, Asuka loses to Charlotte Flair. Uh, AJ Styles defeats Shinsuke Nakamura. 20... 2020... 2018... 19... 20... 21... 22... 23... 5 years. 5 and a half, roughly. This guy has not really meant... anything. He's just sort of been on cruise control. And this is the first instance we've seen of that old Shinsuke in five and a half years. Maybe if we saw it sometime before this match, I would have brought into this, but this was kind of meh to me. Seth's kind of a meh champion. And, yeah, I just thought it was sort of there. Um, overall, pay-per-views, I'm going to say... Two beers. I really just did not give a shit about this pay-per-view. <laughs> the, the one thing that I was really looking forward to was on straight away. And then it was just like, oh, okay, well, at least I've got Grayson to look forward to with Cody. That should be an interesting match. No, again, Grayson and Jey Uso. Jey Uso on his own. Ah, so, I guess the brand split means something. No, it fucking doesn't. Stop saying the brand split means something. They gave up on their brand split within the first week. There's people from SmackDown on Raw. There's people from Raw on SmackDown. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the spl brand split means jack shit. It does. It does. And I'm sure there's somebody there going, Oh, but, but something, 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 something. <laughs> like... Okay, well then let's have a look at last week's Raw and SmackDown before the uh, pay-per-view, if I can find it here. Well, we'll do, we'll do it live. Uh, there's Payback, so there's SmackDown, there's Raw, there's Raw this week. Okay, SmackDown last week. I'm just trying to find somebody who's on the opposite brand. Oh, we've got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. 
Aren't you guys supposed to be on Raw? No? Okay. Uh... Yeah. Uh, no, they're all on there as far as I remember. Monday. No. Christian's uh Christian's uh not Christian Zoe. Becky and Zoe was actually a good match from Raw last week. Uh Shayna Baszler was on Raw this past week. She's supposed to be on SmackDown. Raquel Rodriguez was on Raw this past week. She's supposed to be on SmackDown. Um, we did... No, JD McDonough did get drafted to Raw. But yeah, it's like... The, the brand split... Matters when it needs to matter for them. There's no point saying, Oh, there's a hard and fast rule but with this brand split. No, people can go wherever they want. The ju also, the Judgment Day winning these tag titles, maybe if I hadn't seen them, like, main event 13 of the last 17 Raws, I'd actually care more. I don't know. But, yeah, like, Payback was just enough and happening show for me. And, like, that's just how... WWE feels to me at the moment. The problem... Okay, here's the problem I have with the brand split. 2001. 2001, we have all these titles. And I'm just going to keep it purely to world, but you can go and do your own research on the, on the tags and the secondary titles if you want. World titles. So we've got the WWE and the WCW. Uh, Survive Series, Jericho unifies them, beats the Rock and Stone Cold on the same night. We all know the story. 2002, Eric Bischoff brings back the world title and awards it to Triple H. Then we get to 2013. And if I'm remembering correctly, it's Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton unifies the WWE title with the um, big gold world heavyweight title. Okay, sure. That's fair enough. Oh, we're going to do the brand split again? Okay, uh, around 2016, Danny Ambrose wins that triple threat. SmackDown gets the WWE Championship. Commissioner Stephanie McMahon and General Manager Foley on Raw presenting the new Universal Championship. It's red. Boo! <laughs> and then we get to uh, 2020. The Universal title goes over to SmackDown. Bray White makes it blue in the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, Roman wins that title, then unifies it with Brock's title at WrestleMania... I think it was Dallas last year. And then we get just after Raw this year... Oh, we're going to do a brand split again. Um, okay, let's create another world title for uh, whatever brand doesn't have the world champion, uh, Raw. Like, in the past 20 years, they've had world uh, WCW, World Universal, uh, Universal World. They've had four secondary world titles. And that's not counting the ECW that was brought back for five years. 
The problem with having a secondary world title is it devalues the world title and it sits in that slot between the IC US title and the world title itself. It becomes world title minus. And it just sort of devalues it. That's sort of the problem I have with AEW at the moment featuring a lot of the Ring of Honor titles as well. It's like AEW world title. AEW Ring of Honor world title. (laughs) And it was different with Punk because they were doing, oh, I'm a Renegade champion. I was never been for this. They did the same sort of thing with Flair in 90... 90... I'm trying to get my year right. Flair comes in 91. I'm thinking Flair comes in 91. He has the real world championship. Uh, Then they have to blur it out, use an old tag title. They create the Vegas big gold that's never used. Then they stop using that and Flair actually wins the world title in 92 at the Rumble, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, it, to me, it, it's it's a it's a um, it's either either have a brand split and just keep everyone separate, and the only time people really intermingle is your Survivor Series matches and your Raw Rumble matches to actually make it seem like oh SmackDown's its own show with its own people going on and uh, occasionally at the pay-per-view people might cross paths and at the Rumble everyone's fighting for that Royal Rumble spot to guarantee they'll headline WrestleMania. I don't know. It's just my two cents on it. I just feel like... um, Like uh, the... Having two world titles sort of devalues your actual world title a little. And then... They're calling the men's tag titles undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. But the women's titles that were unified more recently are just still women's tag team championship. They didn't unify the women's singles titles, but the one... Oh, it's not... But the one... um, Is it... EO has? I think it's the one EO has. Because I think Rhea's got the... Uh, gold. Yeah, Rhea's got the world. EO's got the WWE Women's Undisputed Championship despite the fact it wasn't unified with the other championship. <sighs> this company doesn't know words. Alright. We might finish off here on a a bit of what's coming up this weekend. Um, this was posted to the Australian wrestling community. Shout out to them on Facebook. Uh, Melbourne City Wrestling has Ascension on September the 9th. So let's have a look at that. That is for this weekend. Melbourne City Wrestling. Uh, offense. Ascension card. Confirmed is Stevie Philippe versus Barry O'Leary and a tag team ladder match of Big Business Slex and Tommy Knight. 
I don't think Tommy Knight was ever in TMDK. No, it was Jonah. Versus the Prayer, Eli Ferios and Gabriel Eros. Big business there is your reigning uh, MCW Tag Team Champions. What else do we have going on that is major companies? Is that sort of the only huge one that's going on? Oh, Venom's running a show. Venom Pro Wrestling Heavyweight House Party from September the 9th. I don't know if Venom's on here or not. We'll have a quick look at Venom. Uh, Venom Pro Wrestling... Uh, events. Heavyweight House Party. Uh, Ship. Chef Alexander versus B. Lars. LJ Gold versus Yeet Stevens. Cobra Jones versus Carl Parker. VPW Origins title. So, Zoltan versus Shinjin. Apologies there if I've mispronounced either of that. And VPW, Venegade, uh, Venegade, Venom Pro Wrestling, my apologies, Tag Team Championship, Strong 94, Renegade and Rip Riley, the defending champs against Decadence, James Jag Jagger and Roberto Pacino. Pacino. Ugh, I totally stuffed that up. That coming to you from uh, Logan, Queensland, a greater Brisbane area. Yeah, Logan, not really the uh, the greatest of all the suburbs. Um, but yeah, that's sort of about it, at least in terms of the Aussie stuff that I can see there. We always love Aussie wrestling. Alright, we might finish things off there, humans. Uh, so, with that being said, um, you can go follow Alex on the socials. Links below. I can't remember which ones he says to do and which ones to not. So uh, go to Linktree slash Wrestling Hostile. Of course, the uh, link for that itself is also in the show notes. You can follow me at I'm Chris Funder. Or if you have been watching to this live broadcast, you already know where it is. It is twitch.tv forward slash Chris Funder. You can go back and listen to the Wrestling Hostile archive for free on... SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, or using the RSS feed. <laughs> uh, found the channel notes below for your podcast choice, including Apple and occasional content on YouTube. Well, nothing left to say, but good day, humans, and we'll speak to you all next time.
Yeah, I do miss Alex. It's sort of a bit boring doing a show on your own. Or I could just do this all the time and get rid of Alex, but then I'll have no viewers at all. <laughs> no humans at all. No humans at all.